We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on Local Now, Channel 525. Irreverent, over the top, and smart as a whip. This is the Rob Black Show. Welcome in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money investing, and more. It's earnings season. We're going to have a good show today, I think. We got a lot to talk about Netflix, Dave Chappelle, Squid Game, labor market mayhem, Tesla's on deck. United posted a smaller loss and anticipated as travel demand picks back up which is a nice proxy for where we are, in my opinion, in COVID. The airlines show us what people are willing to put at risk and what they're not. Yesterday was a green day across the board. NASDAQ, S&P 500, Dow Jones Industrial Average, all up more than one half percent, up to about three quarters of one percent. Nice day. <clears throat> Big push up. Ten-year Treasury is making some work above 1.6, sitting now at 1.66. Again, as that marches higher to 1.7, it will be a headwind. It will slow down the stock market or cause us to pause and reflect at least. Bitcoin sits at 63,917. Johnson & Johnson was a big winner yesterday. On the news, they're making do-re-mi big-time money on the Delta Plus variant. UK cases are on the rise. Researchers are closely watching a mutation. Over in Brazil, a congressional panel is planning to recommend charges of mass homicide against President Jair Bolsonaro over allegations he intentionally allowed the coronavirus to spread through the country and kill more than 600,000 Brazilians. Awesome, is it not? Netflix. The streaming services said it added 4.4 million net subscribers last quarter to top analyst expectations. It did not do particularly well in the United States. So with all the success of the gory squid game, it seems that Netflix got its mojo on an international post-quarantine period. Squid Game reportedly generated $900 million in value and it cost about $21 million to make. That's a, quite a value. It was the number one show in 94 different countries. Showing you what Netflix is doing is really, really smart. ABC, NBC, CBS, eat it, is what Netflix is saying. You can't do what we do in Spain. You can't do what we do in Italy. You can't do what we do in Poland. Netflix isn't just looking beyond borders for new customers. It's looking for different mediums. It has acquired a video game company called Night School Studio, and it added games to its mobile app in Poland, Spain, and Italy. Competition has never been fiercer, and Netflix has acknowledged that it competes on a large set of activities with a large set of enemies. Is that the right word? But there's unrest at Netflix. They had a massive walkout at the headquarters in L.A. out of a planned virtual walkout. Big backlash at Dave Chappelle's stand-up special, The Closer, a Netflix original show that critics say is transphobic. 
Hmm. That's what I have to say about that. Whether you were jabbed with Moderna, Pfizer, or another COVID-19 vaccine, you may soon be able to switch brands for your booster. The FDA could approve a mix-and-match strategy as early as tonight when it's expected to announce its authorization of Moderna and Johnson Johnson boosters. A recent study of 50 volunteers found that people who received two shots of Johnson Johnson saw their antibodies increase four times, but those who switched to Pfizer for their boosters got a 35 times power up and 76 times boost for Moderna. That's pretty fascinating, <laughs> if you ask me. Um, Jack Dorsey's laughing at Mark Zuckerberg. Facebook wants to change their name to something that reflects the metaverse, and that could happen as early as next week. The Verge reported last night that the tech giant was planning a rebrand that could be revealed as early as this week, maybe next week. But the thought here is, is actually kind of funny in my mind, is that Jack Dorsey, someone tweeted, Facebook really wants to become a metaverse company. Jack Dorsey tweeted something along the lines of the original author of the metaverse concept brought it about because it's about corporations becoming evil and controlling the people. <laughs> I don't think they like each other. Amazon and Starbucks, they both held talks to launch a cafe together. The co-branded lounge would sell Starbucks craft beverages and food products, sold at Amazon Go stores, and would utilize just walkout technology so customers could skip the line. It was codenamed Verde. Um, nothing came of it, but maybe down the road. Apple selling a piece of cloth for $19. It's the next generation AirPods and updated MacBook Pro released. But they also introduced another high-tech gadget, a piece of cloth designed to clean your technology. $19 for a polishing cloth that in Mexico is made for pennies. Seven in 10 tech workers are considering quitting their work or their job, working at their job or quitting their job. 72% of IT software and tech workers are thinking about leaving their jobs. This is not just restaurant industry. This is not just the hotel and leisure industry. A lot of people are disillusioned with, with working for the man. You knew this was going to happen. Martha Stewart made a really sexy photo. It was Halloween themed. It was a poolside selfie. Now she's releasing it as a NFT, non-fungible token. And selling into the whole digital craze. Amazon's offering up to $3,000 in signing bonuses as it tries to hire 150,000 seasonal workers. That's a staggering number of people, is it not? It can't just be me who sees that. Like when you think about 150,000 seasonal workers, you're thinking about, I don't know, you see Golden State game last night, 10 stadiums filled with people. Something along those lines. The first day of trading ProShares Bitcoin futures saw a huge trader interest. More than 24 million shares changed hands with roughly 1 billion turnover. I'm okay if you want to own 1% to 5% of your wealth in Bitcoin. And if you were to ask me, give me something that's just the craziest idea, probably be that. The most upside and probably the most downside. Earnings on deck today for Tesla, Verizon, and IBM. The United States Treasury thinks cryptocurrencies pose a threat to effectively enforcing sanctions. Maligning actors like Iraq and North Korea could use digital assets to hide cross-border transactions, which can reduce the efficacy of American sanctions. Meme stock watch list redditors are buzzing about Tesla, Cloudflare, and Marathon Digital. 
I don't even know if I care. I don't even know if I care enough to go digging. Uh, Coinbase, which is a cryptocurrency play. This is turning into the crypto segment, is it not? The crypto trading platform, Coinbase, signed a multi-year sponsorship deal with NBA, the WNBA, the NBA G League, NBA 2K, and USA Basketball. So I guess if you're six foot six or taller and freakishly fast, powerful, maybe there's something with Bitcoin that draws you into it. 800-516-1220 to each calls on the air. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about money, investing, and more. I think Netflix is one of the big stories here. China reported its first decline in new home prices in more than six years, showing us that there's an economic slowdown going on there. UK doctors are reportedly pleading with the government to reimpose some COVID restrictions due to the continued strain on medical facilities and medical professionals from elevated case counts. Las Vegas Sands reports tonight. That's one that I'll tune into just to um, get a vibe for what's going on in Vegas. I'm Rob Black. Find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. And I work with EP Wealth and a slew of financial planners if you need some insight and help on your portfolios. The Rob Black Show is brought to you by EP Wealth. Learn more about EP's unique approach to managing wealth at robblackshow.com. Invest in what is really important. Rob Black has partnered with EP Wealth Advisors. Are you concerned with financial planning, tax planning, managing your investments, or just planning your retirement? Rob Black has partnered with EP Wealth Advisors. With over $12 billion in assets under management and more than 80 financial professionals at the helm, EP has your financial future in mind. Learn more by visiting robblackshow.com. That's robblackshow.com. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. There's way less than 100 days until Christmas. Christmas wasn't always celebrated on December 25th. There's no mention of December 25th in the Bible, and many historians say Jesus was really born in the spring. Interesting to note. Some historians posit the date was originally chosen because it coincided with the pagan festival of Saturnalia, Saturnalia, which honored the agricultural god Saturn. Evergreens are an ancient tradition. The Christmas tree started with the Romans. Pretty interesting, no? St. Nick was more generous than Jolly. St. was a bearded man who wore a red suit. That tradition came much, much later. He was a Christian bishop that gave away his large inheritance to the poor and rescued women from servitude. It's the Dutch who we can blame for leaving cookies and milk. Probably the company that crafted the Santa Claus image the most in the United States was Santa uh, was Coca-Cola. They did a lot of advertising back in 1931. They hired an illustrator to do the Jolly Old Elf for a magazine for kids, talking about a refreshing surprise in the refrigerator. So I find this all very, very interesting. But the real fact here is that it's a big holiday for American consumers. Adobe is forecasting $207 billion holiday season. Globally, $910 billion. Let's hit some of the numbers here. Online sales are expected to be $207 billion from November 1 to December 31. What do we know about online? One thing I can tell you that you probably haven't figured out or said out loud, there's very few discounts online. When you used to go to the stores, the malls, 
in your Christmas shopping, you'd see 25% off, 50% off. You'd see big discounts. This year, with us going more and more online, not so much. It's going to be a 10% increase this year from 2020, which basically implies 2020 Christmas was huge for online because we really couldn't go to stores. We invented stuff like curbside pickup. More on that in a second. As e-commerce becomes more ubiquitous, I'm going to have a chat with my wife later today and say, um, have you locked up Christmas presents yet? Because you need to. We're not waiting until Thanksgiving or we will be disappointed. We're seeing a mass increase out-of-stock messages up a whopping 172% going into the holiday season. That's not expected to play itself out in a positive manner. This year, due to supply chain issues and a rise in energy cost, expect to pay about 9% more for the same exact stuff that you got last year. So inflation is going to hit you. Some big trends, one that I don't know how I feel. Buy now, pay later. My gut tells me I don't like it. But that's going to be a big part of Christmas this year as retailers want the transaction. And then if you don't pay them, they'll sell your debt to a debt collector. That's the idea, in my opinion. And they'll have already gotten the product removed and they'll get the, they'll sell the markdown and take a write off as well as get 50% of it which is all they need to take because the markup's probably 100% in most retail. Curbside retakes the spotlight. I love curbside. I'll be honest, I think that's one of those inventions that came out of the pandemic where I don't have to get out of my seat. And I get an employee who comes out to my car with gloves on and a mask and loads it into my vehicle. I'm all about that. But again, not a lot of discounts because I'm too lazy to get my fat butt off the car seat and go in the store and look for a sign that says 25% off. Most anticipated gifts this year. This will tell you how old I am. Because I don't understand a damn one of them. Tamagotchi picks. Pop fidget. Got to glow fairy finder, which I'll be honest with you. If anyone wants to get me a got to glow fairy finder, I'll take it. I don't know what it is, but it sounds like it makes life better. Uh, the only hot gift that I, I see that I recognize is Baby Yoda. And Gabby's Dollhouse, I don't know. The top devices that kids want this year, Nintendo Switch OLED, PlayStation 5, Xbox Series S and X, and the Steam Deck. Steam is an interesting company. They're Valve. And Valve does an online store that I don't have to get into too much nerdy detail for you. Other than tell you it's like Epic. Epic, if you've ever played um, uh, Battle Royale, Fortnite, you kind of get there's a hub where you can buy games and buy clothing for your characters and get some free games and have them stored in the cloud. Well, Valve has something called Steam, which is the original online hub that wasn't Microsoft or Sony trying to sell games, trying to put GameStop out of business. What's interesting about the Steam Deck is it's hardware from a company that basically was a online storefront selling software. And um, I once was on vacation in, I want to say Kauai. might have been Maui, but it might have been Kauai. And at my hotel, Valve had basically bought out a whole wing 
Um, so if you think like an 800 room hotel, they had like 200 rooms, all employees. And they did a big valve luau and they did a big valve dinner reservations. Like if you try to get a reservation, at that dinner spot it was taken up completely by their employees. I was like, that company must have money. <laughs> if they're flying 200 families over to Hawaii, it basically some all paid events like luau's and dinners. I'm really surprised Valve hasn't been acquired yet by someone like Google. That's just me. Um, let's talk about some other issues because I talked about the Steam Deck, the PlayStation 5, the oh, um, the Nintendo Switch OLED. And I found this kind of interesting yesterday. Um, I talked to my producer in television. So right after I get off the air on radio, I produce some segments for television. And basically it's similar content like the retail sales I just did won't be on TV later this morning. And uh, when I was talking to him, I said, uh, he goes, yeah, yeah, I kind of wish I could get the Nintendo Switch OLED. That seems to be the hot gift that's sold out. I'm like, I didn't know you were a Nintendo gamer because we're both kind of adults. So I thought he would be Xbox or PlayStation. I look at the Nintendo as something that's more child-friendly. He goes, yeah, there's some, there's some exclusives on the Nintendo that I really like. And I'm like, well, why don't you just spend $100 more on eBay and get it? And he goes, nah, I'd rather have that money go to video games. I'm like, so you're going to delay getting what you really want. I get it. I get it. Some people don't like getting price, marked up prices. I get it. But I was interested in that psychology. I told him, I said, you know who should buy Nintendo? Because they can make the hell out of uh, the Nintendo Switches. It's Apple. No one does supply chain is like Apple. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. Don't miss an episode of The Rob Black Show. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Just did a long segment on what we can expect for the holiday season. It's interesting to note that total spending globally for e-commerce is expected to be about $4 trillion next year. For Christmas season this year, it's expected to be about $910 billion, showing you the value or the importance of retail to our spending and in our economies worldwide. Let's bring in Patrick O'Hare with EP Wealth. Patrick, uh, not with EP Wealth, with <laughs> briefing.com. I'm typing on uh, another website right now and mistook that. How are you, Patrick? Hi, Rob. I'm doing fine. Thanks. Good to be with you. Sorry I missed you last week. I really, really missed you, but um, I had to record another spot, and I kind of dropped the ball on that. So um, did we miss anything in the last two weeks? What do we need to get caught up on? <laughs> uh, well, I mean, yeah, the week is something. You know, the market, as we speak, is pretty much back at an all-time high. And uh, what we've seen over the last few weeks, uh, really since uh, the low on October 4th, is uh, – more of what's gotten us here by the dip, you know, uh, the argument that there is no alternative, uh, the uh, belief that the Fed is going to be you know, sticking close to the zero bound for a really long time. So that you have that persistence of low interest rates, uh, lots of liquidity out there. And it's just, you know, a recipe that has continued to work. And we're seeing that, um, you know, come to fruition again here. And one of the things that has 
helped is uh, we've seen a you know a turnaround in the in the mega cap stocks. Of course, you know in the weeks leading up to October fourth, some of those mega cap names uh, like a Facebook, um, even Apple, you know weren't acting so well, and because they are so heavily weighted, uh, they they definitely had an impact uh, that led to uh, not the greatest of months in September, but. Once they reversed and uh, uh, that helped drive the market higher, uh, you just have kind of seen an all boats rise with the tide move here on this buy to dip uh, mentality. Uh, and one other point I would add is just that the ten-year uh, note yield, you know, it's pushing it's a little north of 1.6 percent now. Uh, but one of the catalysts for the rebound effort that took root a few weeks ago was really just the fact that the market seemed to tolerate some pretty ugly. CPI and PPI reports uh, reasonably well, which was a reflection for some that perhaps the market sees peak inflation pressures here and that, uh, you know, and that maybe, just maybe the inflation outlook might improve in coming months. Now, that's a very debatable point, uh, but that's been one of the factors that's helped uh, spur this turnaround effort. Your commentary on buy the dip, it feels succinct and it feels right. And yet at the same time, we're missing the 10%, 20%, 30% corrections that we grew up with, you and I. So it's a little, I'll say, uncomfortable for me to say, that seems to be the new norm. I know you're not saying that, but that's what we're seeing play out. Um, let's talk maybe a little bit about earnings season um, because it's been two weeks and the financials came out last week uh, with solid numbers and that seemed to jolt the market into saying, oh yeah, you're supposed to buy the dip. Um, Netflix came out with a doozy of a number last night. Um, Tesla comes out tonight. So we got some good story stocks to talk about. Anything you're looking forward to, maybe airlines, maybe transports, maybe retail, anything in the coming days that you're thinking is going to be important for us to eyeball? Well, um, you know, there's we'll start hearing from, you know, from those those really big mega cap names, um, you know, in the coming weeks. But we're also interspersed there, though, with, you know, a lot of the uh, – uh, consumer staples companies, um, the uh, materials and industrials, uh, and really kind of, you know, going to be watching uh, what these companies are saying about um, about demand, uh, because you're going to hear that they're experiencing margin pressures just simply because costs are going up uh, in many respects across the board. And the the key here, I think, for these companies and for the for the market really is if they can continue to pass through uh, price increases that you know ex- exceed their own rate of inflation cost inflation and therefore preserve those profit margins uh, and if you're hearing that they're able to do that because the demand is strong then you're likely to see a more um, palatable response to what sounds like negative news and uh, you, know, you kind of can see a little bit of the distinction here. Uh, you know, we saw just the other day, you know, Procter & Gamble had good good results, but again, just kind of talked about, uh, you know, margin pressures and, and uh, you know, the stock didn't act uh, so well following that, that report. And so those are the, the types of distinctions that um, kind of between the haves and the have-nots about uh, being able to offset uh, these cost pressures with uh, price increases that are going to exceed their own 
uh, cost increases because that's the key to you know keep profit margins expanding. And so if you hear more and more companies, though, talk about the fact that their price increases still aren't going to be enough to offset their own cost pressures, then you probably or arguably should see some multiple compression here. Uh, but uh, as of now, the early part of the earnings reporting period, of course, which has been uh, featured, you know, most of the financial companies which don't have the same types of cost pressures other than maybe on, you know, the labor front, um, you know, the reports have been reasonably good and uh, kind of per usual better than, better than expected. This going to be a silly thing for me to say out loud. Um, I'm such a fanboy of yours. I want to turn the segment into a non-fungible token and keep it all for myself forever and ever. Take that as a compliment. I don't know what exactly it means, but your content's on spot for me today. It's working. Let's talk a quick bit about Bitcoin. I'd love to hear your perspective. I don't think I've ever gotten it officially on the record. Uh, Bitcoin sourced an all-time high today after new Bitcoin ETF launched yesterday on futures. Um, does briefing have a stance on Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies? Is it a wait and see? Where do you land? Well, to be frank, we really don't have a any position on Bitcoin. I mean, our our product is is principally suited to the presentation of uh, individual stocks, macro commentary, econ data, and 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 bond market action. Now, it's not to say that we don't pay attention to it, though. We just don't have an official position. I mean, you can clearly see that. Uh, given the price trend in Bitcoin, that there's certainly a lot of proponents, you know, that are seeing it as a legitimate asset class. Um, and, uh, and the arrival of the Bitcoin futures ETF has, you know, uh, seemingly uh, provided some confirmation in that respect. And so there's a lot of enthusiasm for that validation. And, uh, and you know, and you're seeing, you know, Bitcoin prices you know, respond appropriately. You know, we had I uh, heard Paul Tudor Jones out earlier uh, on CNBC. Um, of course, he's a, a you know very successful investor, um, and you know he's telling listeners that basically he sees crypto as a better inflation hedge than gold. You know, now that's one point of view because you know yesterday we had we heard Carl Icahn say that you know he doesn't think Bitcoin is either bad or good, but he's not invested in it because he just doesn't understand it, and uh, that's. You know, a notable revelation from a very successful investor as well, and um, and I think that's kind of sort of where things sit right now. Is that you, you, people either get it or they don't get it, but uh, there's enough liquidity out there and enough uh, uh, people or enough proponents that are are believing it to uh, continue to drive the price of Bitcoin and other uh, cryptocurrencies higher. I'm going to make a statement, and it's going to sound brash and put me in my place, but. Paul Tudor Jones, the Carl Icons, to some degrees, the Warren Buffetts, they didn't really latch on to tech investing like I did in the 1990s and 2000s, and I outperformed them. I get the feeling Bitcoin is to them or is to me what tech stocks were to them. Do you think there's any truth to that, that if you're over 45, 50, that you maybe you just don't get it and the younger people are figuring it out faster than the 50-year-olds? Uh, yeah, you know, I think I think there's some some truth to that. Um, you know, I'm going to be 50 uh, pretty sh pretty soon here, and um, and I, I I'll be I'll be frank. You know, I just, I don't really understand it either in terms of um, you know how it becomes a uh, a uh, acceptable uh, useful currency. 
uh, you know, in terms of a method of payment uh, at this juncture. But uh, yeah, there's a lot to be learned there. Um, and there are, you know, certainly a lot younger people who are, who feel like they're certainly on to, onto something in the uh, beginning stages of something that could be very powerful in terms of how people think about, uh, about currency. And I said that with all honor to the generations before me. We've got about two minutes, maybe a little bit less. Any thoughts that you want to push out that you're working on right now at briefing.com? Well, um, what we do each quarter is, you know, we we update our, our market view um, usually every three months or so. And uh, that's what I'm going to be doing uh, this week for the big picture column. And uh, our view throughout the year has been constructive and we've, you know, pretty much have uh, rooted that uh, position in the persistence of low interest rates. And, uh, and you know, we still have interest rates, even though they've crept up of late, they're still low on a nominal basis and negative on a real basis. And so, um, so the market view, uh, as we look to the, the push into year end, uh, is likely to continue to be constructive, barring some unforeseen event, but because we don't see interest rates, you know, um, uh, creating too much disruption here, as long as the market continues to believe that the Fed is going to be stuck to that zero bound for, for quite some time yet. Thanks very much. As always, very professional and very insightful. It's my favorite segment of the whole week. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money investing and more. That was Patrick J. O'Hare at briefing.com. His headline on page one this morning was bears have their work cut out for them. That implies the market seems to be gliding higher. You can find out what Briefing does by going to briefing.com. Easy name to remember. They're a reliable source of international and domestic news on all things financial, especially stock markets. I'm Rob Black. Irreverent, over the top, and smart as a whip. This is The Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. Money investing in more. Thanks for listening. I do appreciate it. I put together two plus hours of radio and television a day that plays out over three hours. So there's a little bit of repetitiveness in some segments, but I don't think you need more than two hours. I want you to live your life. As Captain Kirk once said on Saturday Night Live, when he was making fun of the techies, the Trekkies for coming to conventions, go kiss a girl, breathe fresh air. I want you to do both those things. Netflix delivered on its subscriber growth. Stock is dropping anyway. Stock has had a great year. The stock or the company Netflix reported better than expected subscriber growth. Inside the numbers. Dun, 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 dun. It's like an NFL segment on, on stocks, right? Netflix added 4.4 million net new subscribers. Boosted its global total 213.6 million. How many people aren't paying for Netflix and using their buddy's subscription log on? That number could be significantly higher. For the record, um, in my 20s, I probably would have been one of those guys. But as I figured out that what I do for a living is an art, I kind of want people to pay for subscriptions. Um, there's people behind the art that create it. You kind of get where I'm going at. Netflix, I know you're saying, but they're a big company. They don't need it. Yeah, but you don't need it, the free content. Netflix posted revenue of $7.4 billion, up 16.3% from a year ago. $7.4 billion. Apple.
like Snickers at that. Like we do that in a day. <laughs> Not quite, but you get the idea. I like the 213 million paying subscribers. And to me, that's just a reflection once again that Wall Street loves subscriptions. Guess what? 213 million people are going to have their credit card docked in 30 days. And after that, 213 million people are going to have their credit card docked 30 days after that. Wall Street loves that. Netflix said free cash flow in the quarter was negative $106 million, which means they spent more than they brought in. That used to be a sticking point for Netflix and Tesla. Why are you losing so much money? Yeah, the revenue growth is nice, but why are you losing so much money? A reasonable company can only expect to lose $106 million for so long, and then it becomes a problem. You can service it with debt, but eventually that debt has to be paid. This isn't that situation. Subscriber growth was driven by the Asia-Pacific region. And EMA, which is Europe, Middle East, and Africa, I would think to say that everyone who knows – this is what I like about brands. This is why um, – I'm a big fan of Scott Galloway's. He's a, a professor who teaches brand marketing at New York University. He's got a podcast. I think he's the best at really understanding big brands and the responsibilities that come with them. Um, I don't like all of his books. I like some of his books. Uh, when he starts getting into the algorithms of living your life and telling 20-year-olds what to do – I'm out. But one of the projects he's working on, and I'm digressing from Netflix real quick here, but I'll get right back to it, is he's trying to figure out how to get a New York University education without paying the New York University fees. And what's interesting about that is because that's in conflict with New York University's Board of Regents or whatever they're going to be called in a college level, um, he doesn't take a salary. He's like, let me teach for free. But I want to advocate the future should be lower cost education for what I do and for what people like me do in the master's degree program. I think that could be revolutionary. He's working on a company right now. He's working on quite a few companies that when they come public, I would buy almost sight unseen because I think he understands brands really, really well. So Netflix, the brand in the United States, is, is it's well known. I don't think there's a person on the planet who doesn't know something about Netflix in the United States. So they have to expand in Asia and Europe, and they are. Netflix said that Squid Game is now the most watched show ever with 142 million member households viewing. No disrespect to Bridgerton and Money Heist and Stranger Things, but Squid Game was an international breakthrough hit. It's gory. It's not for churchgoers who don't want to see really bad images on screen. It's dark. It pits the wealthy versus the poor. It pits the poor against the poor. Which kind of, to me, is a reflection of society, which all good literature should be. Like Mary Shelley's Frankenstein was really about the fear of you know, m medical procedures and how far we're going in the operating room. Um... Bram Stoker's Dracula was really about, you know, the, the faith in God and is it is it worth it or is it not? And if you turn on God, you become a monster. Um, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde was all about pharmaceuticals in Europe becoming all the rage. Take this tonic to cure this. Take this tonic to fix that. 
good literature really can stand the test of time by reflecting societal issues. And I think there's something to be said about the middle class and lower class against the upper class. Okay, Bitcoin jumps to a new record high of 65000 Winnebago beats on earnings estimates on strong demand. I don't want to go out and buy a Winnebago. My spouse does, and I feel as I get older, I'm becoming a worse driver as far as driving big rigs. But Winnebago is a COVID play, right? It is. It has to be. Uh, people are using Winnebago's as a second office. They're parking it in front of their house, and they're saying, see you later, honey. I'm taking I'm going to work. Tesla earnings are coming out today. I'm looking forward to that just to hear what's going on. China has at least 65 million empty homes, enough to house the whole population of France. It has a massive housing market problem. JP Morgan CEO Jamie Dimon is willing to spend whatever it takes to battle the buy now, pay later threat. I like JP Morgan and I like Jamie Dimon enormously. He doesn't like being disrupted. And I think it's great watch, great television. ESPN is throwing a lot of gambling ads on sports. ESPN is owned by Disney. Disney is Mickey Mouse. Mickey Mouse is whole family fun. A little bit of a conflict, don't you think? I'm Rob Black. Find me online at robblackshow.com. The Rob Black Show is brought to you by EP Wealth. Learn more about EP's unique approach to managing wealth at robblackshow.com.